0: Hey everybody, welcome to Epic Online, and uh, we're so grateful um, that you're tuning in today wherever you're at. We realize that a lot of you folks are, are still at home tuning in and watching online. Maybe some of you are at work, maybe some of you are outside enjoying some recreation. Um, and especially those of you that are joining us via one of our watch parties. Um, we're so grateful that we have the opportunity to start to re-engage each other actually personally. And uh, we had a great time last week with a small group of people that showed up and we uh, were just able to give some, uh, uh, some fist bumps and some air high fives and some air hugs and all that stuff and get to see people uh, in person. And it was just a really good time. So if you haven't signed up for one of our watch parties, let me encourage you to go to our website, and uh, look at the schedule of upcoming dates when you guys can register for one of those watch parties on Sunday night. Come on out and join us, and we'll just have a great time of fellowship um, together. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Epic, and we're just going to kind of dive right into our current, current sermon series today called, called I Am. I Am. And um, uh, if you'll just kind of bear with me for just a second, Um, I want to ask you a question as we begin today, and I just want to kind of jump off the deep end if we can. I want to just kind of go really, really deep at the outset and get you thinking about something for just a second. So let me ask you this question. Do you really trust God with every area of your life? Silence is awkward, isn't it? Think about that for just a second. Do you really trust God with every single area of your life? Can I put all my cards on the table today and I'll just be transparent and open and frank with you today? I don't. There's a lot of times in my life where where I don't trust God with with every single area of my life. And I, I, I wanna hang on to some areas sometime and keep them closed off. Uh, to the things that God has for me and wants for me. And I think that's just part of our human nature. So maybe you kind of struggle with that like I do. Um, I really think that today's message is going to be something we're all going to learn and grow together from. If you haven't been with us in a while, or maybe this is your first time checking Epic out, we're in a current sermon series called I Am. I Am. And what we're doing is we're looking at six statements that Jesus made in John's gospel that, that they're declarations that he made to the audience that he was talking to. But you and I also get to be in that audience because we have God's true eternal word that we get to read. And these are declarations that we can read that Jesus made about himself that help us to understand exactly who Jesus is. And the reason that's important that we understand who Jesus is is because as we gain a greater understanding of who Jesus is, then it helps us to begin to let go of some of those areas of our life that we want to hold on to, where we want to have the control, where we just want to kind of be in in charge um, of our own little world, so to speak. And as we have a greater understanding of who Jesus is, then it helps us to have the confidence that we need to trust him with every single area of our life. So our I am statement today is found in John chapter 8 specifically in verse number 12. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter eight in verse number 12. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again. The them that he's talking to is an audience. And we're gonna get to that in just a minute. But he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me ask you another question today. Um, Have you ever got up out of bed in the middle of the night, maybe to go to the restroom or go to the kitchen to get a drink of water or a snack or something like that, and uh, it was dark and you you forgot to turn the light on or you neglected to turn the light on so that you didn't wake maybe your spouse up or somebody else in the home, and and you didn't judge exactly right where the end of the bedpost is, and especially if you don't have something on your feet and, and you catch your little pinky toe on the edge of that bedpost in the dark. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you, that has happened to you before because it's happened to me before. And here's what I know about that situation in that circumstance in walking in the darkness. It hurts, doesn't it? It's painful. And and, and it it literally will, will make you lose your religion in some kind of way. And you know what? That's a great illustration of what our lives are like sometimes. And and the remedy to that is to have that little nightlight, isn't it? Either on our nightstand or maybe that little outlet that plugs in the wall to where uh, it, it's always on. And, and if you have to get up, you can navigate your way around the obstacles in the darkness. And I think life is a lot like that because I don't know about you, but there are times when I find that. Uh, in my life, I find myself in a dark situation, or there's just like this cloud of darkness that hovers over me at times because I'm trying to navigate life in and of my own strength. And here's what happens in my life invariably, and this probably has happened in your life as well. Uh, in those moments when I'm trying to navigate the darkness by myself, I inevitably, inevitably stub my spiritual little toe, and it hurts. And and I want to get mad. And I want to get angry. And, and uh, it's just one of those things that we have to deal with in our, in our human nature. When you look at the Bible, the Bible is constantly contrasting this idea of light and darkness. I mean, you don't even get out of the first five verses of the book of Genesis before we see this idea of, of light and darkness being contrasted. Listen to what Genesis chapter one, verses one through five says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And look here, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said in verse number three, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and he called the darkness night and evening came and then morning the first day. So right out of the very first book of the Bible, in the narrative of the epic of God, the story of God in all of creation, all of humanity, we see this massive contrast between darkness and light in 1 John chapter number one and verse number five. Now, this is the same John that uh, we read from just a moment ago in John chapter eight. In in the little book of 1 John chapter one and verse five, here's what John said. He said, now this message, talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, it says this message that we have heard from him, that we have heard from Jesus, we now declare to you. And here's the message, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If you go back to the gospel of John in chapter 12 and verse 46, Jesus said this again. He said, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in the darkness. King David in Psalm 27 in verse number one He said this about Jesus. He said, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Uh, We could go on in in, in the book of Acts in chapter number nine, where uh, this guy that we talk a lot about in the local church today, a guy by the name of the apostle Paul, he had his his darkness to light moment on on his way to Damascus one day. And you can go read his story in Acts chapter uh, number nine. But but in verse number three, it says this, that as he, that would be Paul, as he traveled and was near Damascus, it says a light from heaven. Now, what we know about that light from heaven is that it actually is Jesus himself, okay? So it says a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. And he had this amazing encounter and his life was radically transformed and changed. He surrendered his life to the calling that God had for him, which was to take the gospel message to the ends of the world and to the Gentile nation specifically. And as you get to the end of the book of Acts and Acts chapter number 26, you see uh, uh, Paul on trial and giving his own defense for what he's been accused of to a guy by the name of King Agrippa. And listen to how he... kind of recaps or remembers that encounter that he had with that light, Jesus himself on the road to Damascus that we just read in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, Jesus speaking to him in that encounter said this, I will rescue you from the people and the Gentiles to whom I am now sending you to open their eyes that they may turn, look here, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And what we're gonna see in John chapter eight today is this story that we're gonna read uh, is really a story about a contrast between light and darkness. So I want you to think about that as we kind of work through this passage of scripture today. And I want to read John chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 today. Then we're going to come back and I want to give you three principles that I want to draw out of this passage of scripture to help us understand this idea uh, of the contrast between darkness and light, okay? So John chapter eight and verse number one, uh, kind of get the context of, uh, of what's going on here, okay? It says, uh, Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, And at dawn, he entered to the temple complex again. So he goes back into the temple complex where he's going to do some teaching. And the crowds are gathering to hear what Jesus has to say. And it says, as all the people were coming to him, he sat down and he began to teach. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, those are the religious people of Jesus' day. It says, they brought a woman caught in adultery. So let's try to put ourselves in that that scene for just a minute, okay? If you can imagine the first century temple, Jesus shows up. He's this popular figure that uh, blows people away with his teaching and his compassion and his love and his miracles. So the crowds are gathering and all of a sudden these religious people roll up with this woman who literally was caught in the act of adultery, which means she was either uh, uh, had her birthday suit on, she was naked because they caught her in the act. Maybe at best she had some kind of cloak or linen garment that she could wrap herself in. But people who saw this got the picture of what was going on. Says they brought a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand in the center a uh, teacher talking to Jesus, they said to him, this woman, look here, was caught in the act of committing adultery. Now, that's really important. We're going to come back to it in just a minute. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked him this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus then stooped down and he started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stood up again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. And only he was left with the woman in the center. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, and do not sin anymore. Then Jesus spoke to them again. Here's where he makes his I am statement. I am the light of the world, and anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of the world. Of life, uh, Let me draw out uh, three principles that this passage of scripture teaches us about this idea uh, of a contrast between darkness and light. And I want you to think about this encounter that Jesus is having with this woman who was caught in a sinful act uh, from the perspective of, of, of this contrast of darkness and light. The first thing that this passage of scripture teaches us is that the law reveals our guilt. Now, the law that we're talking about here is the Old Testament law that, that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. This is what the Jewish people uh, uh, followed after, okay? So, so let's pick up the story again in Acts chapter 8, verse number 2. And it says, "...at dawn he went to the temple..." complex again and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and he began to teach them and then the scribes and the pharisees brought a a woman caught in the act of adultery making her stand in the center teacher they said to him this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery and then it says in verse number five in the law talking about the old testament law moses commanded us to stone such a woman so so what do you say And they asked him this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Now, here's what we need to understand about the law, okay? Uh, According to the Old Testament law, this woman that they brought before Jesus, she was guilty. Everybody say guilty. Guilty. Uh, She was guilty because she broke the law. As you read the Old Testament law, um, the number seven law that was given in the top 10, when God gave Moses the 10 commandments says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So that's pretty clear. That's pretty black and white. So according to the law, this woman was guilty. And in the Jewish culture, it was a sin worthy of death by stoning. And she deserved that. And the trap that is being set by the Pharisees here is this idea that if Jesus agreed, then he loses his reputation for being loving and compassionate to people. And he becomes discredited with the people that that he is teaching to. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes wanted. On the other hand, if Jesus forgives her, uh, then he's condoning adultery. And the, the Pharisees and the scribes can discredit Jesus for not obeying the, the Jewish law, which the Jewish people held in, in high esteem. Uh, and the point is not so much that uh, that the they're trying to trap Jesus. It's how Jesus responds uh, to the accusation and to the trap to make a point. And here's the point that we need to get uh, from this uh, this this early part of this passage of scripture: is that the law reveals our guilt as sinners. The law reveals our guilt as sinners. Another way to say that is. Uh, and, and this is bad news for us today, okay? But as human beings, um, we are not good people. Uh, the Bible says that we are sinners. And, and that word sinners means that we have, have broken God's law or God's commandments at some level. And here's what a lot of people don't understand, and here's what a lot of even uh, church people uh, and and some Christ followers at times don't understand about the Old Testament law, okay? And the Bible's really clear about this. The Old Testament law was never given to show us how to live. God gave Moses and the nation of Israel the Old Testament to give them a picture or to show them how sinful they were as human beings, and how they could never, ever, ever measure up to God's perfect standard of righteousness and perfection. So let me test this theory with you for just a second. I'm going to ask you just to be real honest and transparent. How many of you watching today have ever lied? Let me show you your hand. How many of you maybe have ever um, cheated or stolen something at some point in time in your life? Can you raise your hand on that one um, too? Um, how about maybe um, guys? This is big for us. Uh, maybe um, you've lusted um after a a, a woman. Um, maybe you've gotten angry. Um, maybe you have um broken the speed limit. Okay? Uh, guilty as charged of that, all right? Now now listen, if if you answered yes to any of those questions, and and there are many other scenarios we could play out, but if you just answered yes to any one of them, you know what the Bible says about you and you know what the Bible says about me, we're guilty. Because the Bible actually says that if you've even broken one of my laws and my commandments, you are guilty of breaking all of them. Now, that's the bad news, okay? Uh, But here's the good news in all of that, okay? Uh, The good news in all of that is because if we don't ever see ourselves as sinners, then we will never see our need for a Savior, in other words, it's really important that we acknowledge our guilt, that we acknowledge our sin. Because when we acknowledge our guilt and we acknowledge our sin, then that 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 makes us aware of the fact that we need a savior. And the good for the good news for all of us who have broken the law and are guilty at one point or another in our life is this right here. And this is one thing we're going to learn as we make our way through the rest of this story, is that our relationship with God doesn't end with the law. Our relationship with God doesn't end with the law. And this story is going to teach us uh, that there's more to our relationship with God than just following a set of laws and rules and commands, which brings me to my second principle. The second principle that this, uh, this passage teaches us is that love reveals God's grace. Love reveals God's grace. Look at the second part of verse number six. It says that Jesus then stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. And only he was left with her in the center. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Then Jesus said this. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. So the big question that people have debated debated for literally thousands of years is what did Jesus write on the ground? Uh, I wish that I could tell you I was smart enough And I was a great theologian, and I could give you the answer to that question. But the truth of the matter is nobody really knows exactly what Jesus wrote on the ground. And it's not really important what Jesus wrote. And I think the point of this story is more the outcome that that God wants us to see. And the outcome that God wants us to see is that his love for us reveals his grace to us. Um, the the word right there um, literally is the word graph in. Um, it literally means to write down. It's where we get our English word uh, graffiti. And uh, if you've ever seen any graffiti on the side of a, a of a building or, uh, or or on a dumpster or on a wall somewhere, you you kind of get that picture, okay? Uh, well, the word kata k a t a means um, against. And there are some people who believe that Jesus was writing down the sins of the scribes and the Pharisees who were making this accusation against this woman who was caught in adultery so that Jesus was literally writing an account of their sin against them. And you know what? Uh, Jesus as God in the flesh would have known everything about everybody um, in the audience. So that certainly is a, a possibility when we think of Jesus being all God and all man at the same time. Uh, but here's an even greater point that I think we need to consider. Uh, in verse number seven, he said there, he said, the one without sin among you should be the first one to cast a stone at her. And what Jesus is saying there when he says, if there's any of you who are without sin, you need to be, you can be the first one to cast a stone. What he's doing there is he's going beyond just breaking the law. He's dealing with the attitude and the intentions of their hearts as well. And we see that very clearly in Jesus's ministry. Matter of fact, you can go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, and Matthew chapter number seven. Jesus, as he was interpreting the Old Testament law, set the standard so high. He said, "He said it's not even just about not committing adultery." Jesus said, "If you've ever lusted at somebody, it's as if you've broken that law." He said. You know the law says thou shalt not commit murder, but Jesus said if if you even are angry or or you hate your brother or your neighbor, it's just as if you had uh, a, a committed murder. So Jesus raises the standard really high, and he deals with the intention. Of our hearts and an observation that we have to make as we, as we reflect on our life and maybe some of those areas that, that we keep hidden in the darkness that we want control over and that we want to dictate uh, uh, who knows about them and what gets revealed and, and what other people see. The observation that we have to consider is that it's easy for us to see other people's sins and neglect our own sin in our, our lives. It's easy for us to see the dark places in other people's lives lives and not notice the dark places that are in our lives. And if I could just summarize verses eight through 11 in John chapter eight, it would be this right here. And this is good news for us today. Uh, Jesus kind of says to this woman, it's because of my grace that I'm extending to you today that I look at you and I see you not for what you did. I don't look at you as somebody who is caught in the act of adultery. I don't see you the way that this mob and these religious people see you. You are not defined in my eyes by what you did. Because my grace is sufficient to overcome that. And and the love of Jesus and the love of God reveals his amazing grace to us. Now here's something I think we need to really pay attention to because there's always going to be this tension between truth and grace. Notice Jesus did not say to her, Jesus didn't understand that didn't say I understand. It's just the way that you are. Um it, it it has to do with the way you were raised. It's really not your fault. Uh come on, get up. You 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 can you can try harder uh next time. It, it it's gonna be okay, so to speak, because Jesus knew and understand that we're always gonna struggle with dark places in our life. We're always gonna struggle uh with our sin nature and with the flesh that that that's made up of our humanity. And Jesus deals with the intentions of our heart just as well. But the good news for us today is that Jesus loves us unconditionally. Even though we are guilty, uh, Jesus in his love extends grace to us. And the Bible says that grace is greater than all of our sins, even lying, even cheating, even anger, um, even adultery, even immorality. Uh, Grace is greater than all of our sins. So, uh, so, so love reveals God's grace. The third principle that I I think we need to pay attention to uh, is this idea that we find in verses 11 and 12. And the idea is this light reveals our hope. Light reveals our hope. Listen to what it says in verse number 11 again in verse number 12. After Jesus asked the question, woman, who are they? Has no one condemned you? This is after everybody's dropped their rocks and they've, they've walked away because they realize that, that Jesus has got them. He's turned on the light to the darkness in their life. And then she responds, no one, Lord, she answered, Then these are some amazing words that Jesus tells her in verse number 11. He says, Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and from now on do not commit sin. From now on do not sin anymore. And then the Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to them again. So Jesus turns her attention from the woman who he's just extended grace to through his love and through his mercy. And now he turns to the crowd who have been kind of hanging around, wanting to see how the outcome of this thing is going to go down. And he extends the same invitation to them that he extended to this woman. And he says it right here. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus declaring himself to be the light of the world helps us to know and understand that no matter what those dark places are in our life, there is always hope. There is always hope. And when Jesus said, I don't condemn you, he went from being the light of the world to the light of her world. And those are the same things that Jesus wants us to know today. If Jesus could appear on our screen today, which he could because he's God, and speak to us, here's something I'm convinced he would say consistent with this passage of scripture. If there's darkness in your life, I don't condemn you. And I came to be the light, not just of the world, but I came to be the light of your world. One of the things I've observed in, in, in communities, families, uh, you can even apply this principle to culture, is, is when there's a high Jesus quotient um, manifested in people's lives. In other words, there's connection to Jesus and they're living out their faith and, and they're living a life that honors and pleases him. Wherever there's a high Jesus quotient, there's always a low sin quotient. But the opposite of that is also true. I can promise you, wherever you see a high sin quotient of darkness, there's always going to be a low Jesus quotient of light. So let me read to you um, John chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, if I can, for just a second. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, "Life." was in him, that's Jesus, and that life, remember that phrase, that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. And then in John chapter 12 and verse 46, it also tells us this, Jesus again, you see how how, how Jesus is revealing himself, he says, I have come as a light into the world. Why? So that everyone, you know who that includes? That's you. That's the person sitting next to you. That's me. All right. So that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Let me, let me try to illustrate that for you just a second by giving our key takeaway for today. All right. Let me encourage you to Uh, to kind of help me process this for just a second, okay? Here's our key takeaway for today, and you'll find this on your Spiritual Growth Challenge. If you'll you'll print that out or download it uh, and, and spend some time in it this week, all right? Here's our takeaway. Darkness can never defeat the light. Darkness can never defeat the light, so, I want to ask some of my friends that are with me in the room today to help me illustrate this for just a second and and in just a second your your screen maybe um, is going to change a little bit there 's nothing wrong with your TV no need to try to turn it off, turn it back on or reboot your internet or anything like that this This is kind of staged, and this is kind of planned so so i 'm going to ask guys to help me a little bit by just going ahead and shutting the light off because i want to I want to contrast this idea that darkness can never defeat the light. Okay. So, so check this out for just a second. Okay. Uh, Jesus made the statement, his I am statement out of John chapter eight is I am the light of the world. And, And can I just tell you something as sinners, we're all guilty. That means we live in darkness. And when we accept Jesus into our life, immediately he turns on the light to the dark areas of our life. And I don't know where you're at today, but maybe there's some darkness in your life. Maybe there's some hidden areas in your life that you're not giving God access to. Maybe today you need to let Jesus be the light of your world. Maybe for some of you today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible says about you? you are spiritually dead. That means your relationship with God is broken. And the very reason that Jesus came into the world to die on the cross is so that he could become not only the light of the world, but the light of your world. So would you invite Jesus into your life today? Would you allow Jesus to become the light of those dark areas that maybe exist in your life? If you'll let Jesus turn the light on into the dark areas of your life, He'll promise. He'll promise to forgive you of your sins. He'll promise to lead you uh, into into places and things that you never imagined or dreamed. And you can experience the life of men that Jesus came as the light of the world um, uh, to shine the light in our darkness. So I'm going to ask the lights to be turned back on. And I hope that that little illustration made some sense for you today. And as we um, close, uh, just by way of an application, I want to read to you Matthew chapter number five, verses 13 through 16. And this is just kind of our takeaway or our application uh, today. And I, it's three simple words, but I want to read to you Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. This is a charge that Jesus gave his followers. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. And then Jesus shifts gears and he says what we've been talking about all morning, all day today. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, he says, and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If, if I could challenge you or encourage you to do one thing this week, it would be this right here. Just go light your world. Just go let your light shine before other people. Do something for somebody. Serve somebody in some capacity. Be intentional about having a spiritual conversation that points somebody to the light of the world. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And uh, if you're watching today and You've never invited Jesus to be the light of your life. Can I just tell you something? He's waiting on an invitation uh, to begin a friendship and a relationship with you. He's a perfect gentleman. He's never going to force himself on you in any way. So would you maybe, for the first time, uh, just talk to God right wherever, wherever you're at and just say something like this, God, I know that there's some areas of my life where there's darkness. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things that are, have broken your heart and I've broken your law and I'm guilty. But I want Jesus to be the light of my life. So today I'm inviting Jesus. I'm asking Jesus to come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to give me a home in heaven for all of eternity and help me to let my light shine in a dark world. If that's the attitude of your heart today, you can begin a relationship with Jesus. You can be adopted into God's family. Maybe you're already a Christ follower. Uh, Maybe there are some dark areas of your life where you have kept hidden off. And you keep keep bumping your spiritual uh, little toe. And I know it hurts. I know it's painful. Here's what Jesus wants to say to you today. I don't condemn you. I want to forgive you. I want to be the light of your world. Um, So why not maybe just confess something today that you know you've kept hidden and that's in the dark? I don't know what that might be for you. But just take a moment and just spend some time with God and confess that as sin. The Bible says if you confess it as sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm going to pray in just a second, and after I pray, there's going to be some discussion questions that will come up on the screen, and I encourage you, whether you're by yourself or you're with a small group or your family, maybe some friends or neighbors, or if you're at uh, one of our our watch parties, uh, our host is going to come in just a second and and help wrap things up and just encourage you to spend some time together uh, talking about what we've learned today about Jesus being the light of the world. So let me pray for you and we'll be dismissed. God, I come to you today, and Jesus, thank you for being the light of the world. Lord, it seems like, um, Lord, the longer um, time goes by uh, that you tarry your coming, that Lord, our world gets darker and darker, and Lord, it manifests itself in ways that I know uh, breaks your heart and is not pleasing to you. And God, I pray for people today that Maybe you've just kind of turned the light on to some things in their life and exposed some things that they've had hidden in the darkness. God, I pray that they would just get real with you about whatever that is. And God, they would confess that to you as sin and ask you to forgive them. And God, you would either begin a relationship with them or you would restore a relationship that maybe has been broken because of our selfishness and our sin nature. So God, whatever you want to accomplish in our lives today, We just want to thank you for giving us a great example that we don't have to measure up to a set of rules and standards because according to the law, we're guilty. But Lord, you came to show us a greater way and you extend grace to us that is sufficient for all of our sin Um, when you died on a cross and paid our sin debt and showed your love for us in an unbelievably sacrificial way. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the hope Uh, You are our light and Lord, uh, would you just shine bright so that we can follow you into truth today so that we can go from this place and do like you asked us to do in Matthew chapter five, to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works. And, And God, not pat us on the back, but honor and glorify you because we're living out our faith in a way that brings about change and transformation in other people's lives. For it's all these things I pray and ask in your name today, amen.